How many of you know that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth? And then you go down to the second verse and you go down to the very last part of it. And it says, and the spirit of God moved. And the spirit of God moved. How many of you know we need a movement in this United States of America? Well, the Spirit of God is here. And He is moving. And He's moving through your life as well. Can you say amen? Well, tonight I'm, I'm going to share with you being delivered from darkness. Now, how many of you know that we can't get delivered from darkness until we acknowledge light? God loved this world so much that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever would believe in Him would not perish but have everlasting or eternal life. Look at your neighbor and say, do you have eternal life? Well, we pray that all of you have eternal life, living and abiding on the inside of you. But what I want you to see is in the beginning, the Spirit of God moved. How many of you know that we have a theocracy? When we, when we talk about Christianity, we have a theocracy. Now, I know our country is a democracy, but whenever you're serving God, we have a theocracy. It's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. We have a theocracy. And thank God for the theocracy. How many of you know that God is all-knowing? He's everywhere at one time. He, he moves in supernatural ways. He's given us the, the three entities himself, Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is here to do a particular thing for you and I on this planet called earth. And we'll, we'll talk about that in, in just a moment. But how many of you believe that the word of God is the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth? Amen. This is your foundation. If you know, when you're talking with someone, if they don't believe that the Bible is the truth, then you don't have anything to be able to talk with them about, really. You can try to share with them that what they need is the Lord Jesus Christ in their life. And the only way that they can get to, to know Jesus is to be drawn by the Spirit of God. No man comes to the Father except the Spirit draws him to the Father. You came that way. I came that way. We were drawn by the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is here to do the bidding and the will of the Father on this planet called earth through your life and through my life. He's looking for candidates that he can come and can be immersed within their body. Jesus came and he accomplished everything that was necessary. But what I want you to know is that God, number one, God authored this book. He is the author of the book. Jesus fulfilled the book. It is fulfilled in Jesus. You are not going to fulfill this book. You can't. And then the Holy Spirit has come for the purpose to apply or to appropriate what has already been done. Now I'm going to word, use the word appropriate several times tonight. And the reason for it is, is because 
everything is already finished. And we'll talk about that a little bit. So go with me, if you would, first in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verses 16 and 17. He says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. All scripture. What is the definition of all? All. Every scripture, all the these, all the thous, all all the things that are written, written in here have an anointing on them. And they can bring to pass everything that is necessary in your life and in my life. It's been given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine. When it says profitable, that means increase. God wants to increase every human being. He wants to bring them to his place and position that he established for humanity. How many of you know when God created the, the earth in the, in the first place and he put man in the earth? How many of you know when Adam and Miss Adam came and was created by the three party that was present? How many of you know that they were perfect? They had no flaw. And you know, if they had never sinned, they'd still be here. And so would you. And you'd be perfect with no flaw. But because of high treason in the garden, it created a, ditma, a different atmosphere, but God immediately went to work and he salvaged mankind. How did he do it? He did it through his son, Jesus Christ, he fulfilled everything that was necessary so that you and I could be able to carry out and walk out what God has planned for you and I and what he did in the very beginning. He secured it back. So it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness that the man or the woman of God may be perfect. That word perfect there, one of the definitions is to be mature, to grow into a maturity. And you can't grow into a maturity without the Holy Spirit's activity in your life to bring you revelation of who God is and what you possess in Him. Once we begin to understand that, that we have been created to be God-like, to act like him, to walk like him, to talk like him, to do like him. How many of you believe it's possible for you being a, a, a new creature in Christ Jesus, it's possible for you to walk on water? I'm asking you, is it possible? I'm not asking you if you have yet. But it is possible. Why is it possible? Because all things are possible to him that believeth. If you believe you can, and you have an unction to function by the Holy Spirit of the living God, you can do it. Everybody say, I'm a can-doer. I'm not a can't-doer. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can, and you can. How many of you believe that you're the healed? 
You're not going to be the healed. You are the healed. And you're going to appropriate. If something comes against your body, comes against your mind or whatever, you're going to appropriate what has already been fulfilled. And the Holy Spirit is the one that's going to energize it into your life because you dare to believe. Now, how many of you know that Lazarus was already gone from this life? And Jesus called him back forth, back into this life. Whatever took him out of this life, when he came back into this life, he came back whole. He didn't have any sickness or disease. But I want you to know that Lazarus died twice. He had two deaths. The first one from sickness and disease. And the second one was by faith. How I many of you know it takes, it takes faith to live and it takes faith to die? It takes faith in everything that we do. Without faith, it's impossible literally to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder. Say he's a rewarder. Of those that diligently seek him. Now the question is, is how diligent are you and how diligent am I? How far do I really want to go with this? Am, am I in it hook, line, and sinker? Or did I just get hooked? And I'm still fighting to get off my hook. You know, when you catch a fish, what does that fish do? He fights. He fights. So you and I have to fight the good fight of faith and lay hold on that which he has accomplished for us. He said that the man or the woman of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Now I'll read it to you out of the Amplified Bible as well. It says, all scripture is God-breathed, given by divine inspiration that is profitable for instruction, for conviction, for correction of error and restoration to obedience, for training in righteousness, learning to live in conformity to God's will, learning to live. You and I will spend the rest of our life learning how to live in conformity to the will of God. And who do you think is going to help us do that? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is our helper. We're going to find that out in just a minute too. To the conformity of God's will, both publicly and privately. Behaving honorably with personal integrity and moral courage. So that the man of God may be complete and proficient, outfitted, and thoroughly equipped for every good work. Notice what he's equipping you for. Every good work. The Lord is good. You are good. 
And you're good because you possess the one who is good. You have his love, you have his joy, you have his peace, you have his temperance, you have his long-suffering, gentleness, meekness, and kindness, and faithfulness. It's in you to will and to do of his good pleasure. The greater one lives on the inside of you. Isn't that awesome? The fact that he would come and take his abode in you to live his life out through you. You are his arms, you are his legs, you are his mouthpiece, you are his ears, you are his eyes. And he's made reference to every point of entrance in your life so that you will, and I will appropriate what is rightfully ours. Is it possible to live a day without sin? The answer is yes. Why didn't you all vote? (laughs) Yes. Absolutely. You can. You can do that. I've lived days without sin. And I've lived some days with some things. Just like you have. And we're all working on it. We're We're all learning. You know, I'm not perfect. But yet he calls me perfect. Because he dwells on the inside of me. And he is perfect. Did you know that your spirit man knows no sin? It's not your spirit man that we have a problem with. It's your soulless man that we have a problem with. The decision maker. Where your mind and where your will is activated. And if you and I will follow after that which we've been apprehended for then we'll fulfill the will of God every day in our life. How many of you wake up in the morning and say, oh God, it's morning again? Or how many of you wake up in the morning and say, good morning, Lord? I'm glad to be alive. I'm here another day to be a witness and a testimony for you. In 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 19 through 21, in the King James Version, we're proving out that he's the author of this book that we call a Holy Bible. Now, they've already put this into a computer, and they can't dispute it. They've tried. Scientists are coming by the hundreds in agreement that this book is true. The artifacts and all of the things that have been left behind are proving that this book is true. And even without all of that, God himself, in the book of Romans it says, nature itself tells you there's a God. Just to look at nature. How many of you have been in awe? You just go around the, the, this country alone and then you go to other countries and how many of you are in awe to see the handiwork of God? Amen. He said, nature itself declares it. He said, we have also a more sure word of prophecy. Thereunto uh, do, you, uh, do you well that you take heed 
as unto a light that shineth in a dark place, unto, until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the Scripture is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old times by the will of man, but holy men of God. What kind of men? Holy men of God. God men. Spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. In the Amplified it says, same verses. So we have the prophetic word made more certain. You do dwell to pay close attention to as it is like a lamp shining in a dark place. Until the day dawns and light breaks through the the gloom and the morning star arises in your hearts. But understand this first of all, that no prophecy of the scripture is a matter of or comes from one's own personal or special interpretation. For no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will. But men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. So the Lord initiated what you hold in your hands called the Holy Bible. How many of you know it wasn't written in this form? It was written upon parchments. It was written upon stone. But nonetheless, God wrote it, saved it, had it hid away for discovery, and as they have discovered it, and it's not all discovered yet, but as they have discovered it, they're finding it to be the reality of truth that God's Word is what it says that it is. Now, I'm talking to the choir here. You should already know this. You should know this. You should believe this. If you don't believe that this Bible is the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, and you believe that there's mistakes in here, then you don't believe in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter number 11, the, you know, the great uh, uh, list of, of uh, the Hall of Fame of faith men and women of God, it says these all died in faith, never receiving the promise. They believed in something that they didn't have. You have it. You have it in all kinds of forms. You've got an amplified. You, you've got a passion. I mean, you, you've got every kind of possibility to know God if you want to know Him. We've got churches nearly on every corner. Everywhere. We have bookstores that are de- designated specifically for Christian literature. We have DVDs. We have channels on TV, on YouTube, and everything else. If we want to know something concerning this book, we can find it. There's many people in the world that are not as privileged as you and I are. A missionary friend of mine came to our church, and they had been going behind the Iron Curtain when the Iron Curtain was still there. And they would go 
supernaturally. They would put Bibles, sew them into their coats and everything else, and they would go past the guards, and the guards wouldn't check them. They just slipped past, just like their eyes were blinded. And they would pass out the Bibles and stuff. He told me, he said there was one village in particular that they had no idea how to get to it. And so they ended up being led by angels to get them to that location. And when they got there, they gave them Bibles. They said, do you have any Bibles? They said, no, we have no Bibles. All we have is pieces, just pages, talking to the preachers. He says, I've been preaching for 20 years out of three pages. And he said, in my pages said, and God said was the last words on my page. And God said, he said, I have been waiting and believing to find out what God said. So they handed him a Bible in his language. And what do you think he did with his Bible? He took it. He clasped it to his chest. And he stepped backwards, sobbing and bawling. And they said, what's the matter? We thought you would rejoice. He says, oh, I'm weeping for joy. But he said, now I can tell my people what God said. Finally, after 20 years, and we can get it everywhere. We're without excuse. Pastor, we shouldn't have to be dealing with slothfulness. None of those things. Not here in America. This truly is a land that flows with milk and honey. We've got it on every corner. We, we can't have any bitterness, resentment, hatred. Shouldn't be there. We shouldn't possess those things. We shouldn't be dealing with those things. Because we have a God that's faithful. He is a God that came and set us free from darkness. We are totally free from darkness. Darkness cannot overwhelm us. Darkness cannot have us. He can't have our children either. He can't have our grandchildren. Because we put a demand upon the spirit of the living God to protect that which belongs to us. My children are arrows that God put into my quiver and they belong to me. And if I belong to God and they belong to God, then he can't have them in any shape or form. I don't care what it looks like in the natural. That doesn't mean that opportunities haven't come our way. We've had those opportunities, but the Holy Spirit is greater. You know, we have angels that are on assignment here to aid us, to help us. In our walk, in our journey in life. We need to put them out on assignment. Some of them are just sitting around. Yeah, just waiting on you and I to say, get going. Here's your assignment. And you send them out based upon the will and the word of God. Jesus fulfilled it. That's number two. Jesus fulfilled this book that you hold in your hand. He fulfilled it. All of it, from the old to the new. 
Some people say, well, you know, we live in underneath a, a grace, underneath a new, new covenant relationship. Yes, we do, but don't forget about the old. How many of you still quote Psalm 91? He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He's my refuge. He's my fortress. He's my God. And it's in Him that I trust. And we just go on and on with it. How many of you still use that? Old covenant. How many of you still quote out of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? Old covenant. You got quiet. New covenant didn't begin until on the day of Pentecost when the Spirit of God was outpoured upon on the church. Now there were some, the disciples were born again when Jesus breathed on them and they became born again. But their first act was to get into that upper room and to wait until they'd be endued with power from on high. There's no more waiting anymore. Now we get born again, filled with the Holy Ghost and begin to activate and move out for God. Had a little lady in our congregation. We were talking about testimonies. People were giving their testimonies and everything else. And this lady had been with us for a number of years. And uh, I was giving people opportunity to share their testimony. After the service was over with, she came up to me and she said, Pastor Phil. I said, yes, ma'am. She was, how old was she? In her 80s, Dan? Anyway, she came up to me and she said, Pastor Phil, I don't have a very good testimony. I said, what do you mean you don't have a very good testimony? She said, well, I've never smoked. I've never drank. I've never cussed. She said, I've never lied. I've never stolen. She said, I just found the Lord when I was a little girl and got filled with the Holy Spirit before people even knew what Holy Spirit was all about. And she said, I've just lived the life based upon a relationship with God the Father through the personal relationship that I have with the Holy Spirit. And she said, I just, I just don't have anything to tell. I said, you have the greatest story in the house. Your testimony is one of the sweetest testimonies that I've ever heard. She said, I always honored my father and my mother and they were very strict and they taught me to be upright and to follow the Lord and to do what the Lord has to say. I said, you should have gotten up and shared. You had the best testimony in the house. And she said, thank you, Pastor. I just think I... Just didn't think I had anything to share. Everybody else was talking about getting delivered from drugs and, you know, and all kinds of things. And I said, you had the best one. You had the best one. Amen. Amen. Oh, to know him. Jesus, he said, think not in Matthew chapter 5, verse numbers, uh, number 17 through 18 in the King James Bible. It says, think not that I have come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, not one jot or one tittle shall in no wise 
pass from the law till all things be fulfilled. Jesus came and satisfied the gavel of justice once and for all. He's your Savior. He redeemed you. He bought you back with His blood. His blood is precious. Gave you His name. The name that is above every name. Gave you His name. Gave you authority. Gave you the person of the Holy Spirit. How many of you know that He is the baptizer in the Holy Ghost? Our four Gospels declare that Jesus Christ is the Holy Ghost baptizer. He made a way for you to be able to be filled with exactly what he was filled with to do what he did. He said, not only would you do the things I've done, but you'll do far greater. I mean, you know, Jesus is going to be at one place at one time. Now he's got a multiplicity of people that can go everywhere. Millions and millions and millions of people that can share the glorious gospel of who he is. And the Holy Spirit's going to aid you and help you. To do that. Number three, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit helped bring this to pass. Jesus fulfilled it. The Holy Spirit applies it. He applies it. He gives it to you by revelation knowledge. Revelation is a spirit-taught truth coming to fruition in your life. How I many you know faith comes by hearing? Hearing by the Word of God. Faith comes by what? Hearing. And hearing by the Word of God. Faith cometh by hearing. If you're not listening, then it's not coming. You can sit right here tonight... And not hear a word that's being said. Diane's told me that I have selective hearing. Anybody else have selective hearing in here? (laughs) I can look at her sometimes. And she's talking to me and I can't hear a word that she's saying. Because I don't want to hear what she has to say. She's going to bring correction or something that I'm doing, and I'm not really wanting to hear that. But I don't mind telling her. But I think she has selective hearing too. But those, those days are getting shorter now. We've been married so long. I was born married with three kids. (laughs) We're celebrating our 56th year. This December. So, I know her almost like God knows her. And she knows me almost the same way. When you've been around somebody that length of time, you know what they're thinking. You know what their next statement is going to be. And it's amazing. She does that with me all the time. I'm, a, I'm going upstairs to tell her to, to do something. She's already in the process of doing it. 
It's just amazing. I'm just amazed. But I, I learn new things about her all the time too. As we keep falling in love over and over and over. Someone told me whenever I was young, before I became a Christian, they said it took dating to get her. It's going to take dating to keep her. So we just keep dating. And we still go parking occasionally. Don't turn your eyes up like that. Amen. Let's get back to the, to the word. This is one of those times we don't want to hear what she has to say. In John's gospel, chapter number 16, if you would please, the Holy Spirit reveals this or activates this into your life through revelation, knowledge, and insight. How many of you know you can't go beyond your level of faith, the development of your faith? A congregation cannot go beyond its level of faith in a corporate anointing. See, there's only one time that the corporate anointing happens, and that's when we come together as a corporate body, as the ecclesia, as we come together as God's house. We are His tabernacle. And He wants to tabernacle with us. So every time we come together, now I know it's, it's wonderful that we do things on YouTube and everything else, but there's nothing that replaces being in person. There's something about the anointing that's in the house. See, something is oozing out of you, out of me and out of pastor and everyone that is sitting in here. There's something that's oozing out of you that brings an anointing in the house And it actually brings the house down when we get in total unity, thinking together, moving together, flowing together, singing together, rejoicing together in the presence of the Lord about one entity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. They're here to will and to do what you have need of in your life, which has already been accomplished and we need not go any further you know you can get healed in your seat while you're just sitting there listening to the word of God you don't have to have hands laid on you to get that done matter of fact I'm going to be real honest with you can I be real honest with you there's no place in the scripture where it says have prayer line there is no place now he said pray for one another you know that you be healed. Boy, you're getting quiet. Let's kick over some sacred cows. The Holy Spirit knows how to go up and down these aisles. He can touch every person. Right with That doesn't mean we can't lay hands. Do you understand what I'm saying? We can still have prayer lines, but I'm telling you, He can do it All you've got to do is reach out in faith and believe and receive it for yourself. Then you can get us in agreement. The Holy Spirit is here to carry out the will of the Father. And everything that Jesus has accomplished in the will of the Word of God. He reveals it. 
Out of John, how many of you at John chapter 16, verses 7 through 14? It's in the Amplified. He said, but I tell you the truth. I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I go not away, the helper, helper, the comforter, the advocate, the intercessor, counselor, strengthener, standby, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him, the Holy Spirit, to you to be in close fellowship with you. And he, when he comes, he will convict the world about the guilt of sin and the need for a Savior and about righteousness and about judgment, about sin and the true nature of it because they do not believe in me and my message about righteousness, personal integrity and godly character. Because I am going to my Father and you will no longer see me about judgment, the certainty of it, because the ruler of this world, Satan, has been judged. Now you don't have any worry with the devil. He's a defeated foe. Your Bible says it clearly. My Bible says it clearly. One preacher had a, had a member of his congregation come to him and he, he told him, he said, he said, Pastor, he said, the devil's been sitting on my shoulder and he's just been whispering in my ear. He's just been whispering to my ear. And the pastor looked at him. He's sitting on your shoulder. Yeah, he's been sitting on my shoulder. Well, which ear has he been whispering in? My right ear. He said, well, let me tell you what to do. He said, take your finger like this and thump him off. <laughs> because if he's that small, he's got no business, number one, sitting on your shoulder. It's obvious that you're listening to him because you're taking heed. You've come to me. You've been delivered from the power of darkness. He is a defeated foe. He has no rights to you. He's supposed to be under your feet. Yes, sir. Had another pastor friend of mine. He came in one day. He was preaching at our church. And, and he came in one day and I saw him sitting and he had his feet kind of propped up and there was something written on the bottom of his shoes. And I said, what's that on the bottom of your shoes? He said, I'm just reminding the devil he's under my feet. He says, just read it. Satan, you're under my feet. Every place the sole of my foot and your foot goes, it's ours. Amen? The Holy Spirit has come to reveal. We're living in the last of the last times. Yes, we're in perilous times, but just like our apostle told us and just like our pastors told us, it doesn't make any difference what's going on in the world we have a better covenant. It's supposed to get better for the church. It's going to get worse for the world. Yes, it's going to wax worse and worse and worse. But not for the church. Not the blood-bought church. There's a remnant that he's coming back for. Are you part of that remnant? 
then you don't have the right to be sick. Neither do I. You don't have the right to be broke. Neither do I. You don't have the right to be confused. Why? Because you're the blood-bought church. He's given you everything that pertains to life, everything that pertains to godliness. You've got it. It's already there. It's yours. All you have to do is to appropriate it. How do I appropriate it? I say it's mine. It's mine, whether I fully understand it or not. It is mine in the name of Jesus. Jesus poured out his blood for me and the Holy Spirit is applying it to my life. I'm telling you, from this day forward, I'm praying that the Holy Ghost dogs you. Just dogs you. Dogs me. Just stays after me. I've not arrived yet. Neither of you. But I'm well on my way. Hallelujah. I got born again in 1967. Got filled with the Holy Ghost five years later. And I'm telling you, Holy Spirit is such a friend. You know who sticks closer than a brother? Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. God is on His throne. Who do you think is here that's sticking closer than a brother? The Holy Spirit is here to aid you, to assist you, and to help you to get everything that you have need of. Everything that you're hearing preached. Hallelujah. Counselor, strengthener, stand by. He said, but if I go, he said, I will send him the Holy Spirit to you to be a close fellowship with you. And he, when he comes, will convict the world of the guilt of sin. And it just goes on and on. Now, I want to go over to Paul real quickly. I haven't got much time left. I want to go to Paul. Paul is one of my favorite. They're all favorites. But he is one of my top favorites because he's the one that said, you know, all these things that are happening to me, they're just minor things. He said in the, in the natural, he said they look big in the natural, but he said they're not. Not in comparison to whom I possess. He said there's no comparison. What I'm going through in the natural In Philippians chapter 3, verse 7 through 15 in the King James Bible, it says, But what things were gained to me, Paul speaking, those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dumb, that I may win Christ. And be found in him and having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through faith of Christ, the righteous which is of God by faith. How many of you know Christ means the anointed one and his anointing? 
It's Christ in you. That's the hope of glory. You have the anointed one. And you have his anointing. He went about doing good. And healing all that were oppressed of the devil. Because God was with him. He was filled with the Spirit and God was with him. And now he's trying to get you and I to do exactly the same thing. So my my greatest venture in life as a Christian is to be able to say that I am accomplishing and doing what Paul the Apostle said. He said that even though I'm going through all of these different things, he said you, you can't compare it. There is no comparison between what I possess inside of me, the greater one. He says that I may know him, that word know means to have intimacy with. To have intimacy, to know, to know in your knower, to know him and the power of his resurrection. That I might know him and the power of His resurrection, and the fellowship of His sufferings, being made conformable unto His death. The Holy Spirit is here to aid us, to assist us, to help us, as well as angels that's been sent on assignment. We're the greatest army in the world, but many times the army has been AWOL. AWOL. Absent without leave. Now, I know that there's things and I know there's times that you need to be away. And you can't be here. But that shouldn't be the norm. That should be the abnorm. I'd rather be in the house of God than any place. Praise God. He said, that I may by any means might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after. If that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do... Everybody say there's one thing that we need to do. He said forgetting. Forgetting those things that are behind. Forgetting those things. Let them go. Let the Holy Spirit sever your past. You can't change your past. All you can change is your future. Your present and your future. Those other things are just old dead dogs. Just cut them off. Let them go. Paul said, let them go. Forgetting those things which are behind. You can't change. And you don't need to be looking in the rearview mirror anyway. But you just don't know what I've done. Listen, if you talk to God, God doesn't know what you did either. If you ask him to come in your heart, he said he put your seeds your sins in the sea of forgetfulness, never to be remembered anymore. He doesn't know what you're talking about. 
And when the accuser of the brethren tries to accuse you, your elder brother Jesus, he stands up and father looks at him and says, well, is any of that true? He says, no, he's been washed in my blood. He said, you have no account against him. He's done nothing wrong. Let it go. Well, pastor, I have been married, divorced. You cannot count the number of times on one hand. I don't care. Do you love Jesus? Have you given your heart to him? Let it go. Let it go. We had another man, first church we pastored, we had a man that came out of Sing Sing Prison. Gotten born again in Sing Sing Prison. Now, when you, when you come out of incarceration after 40 years, your life needs some adjustments, some changes, right? He got born again while he was in prison, but he came to our church. He was rough, he was gruff, he talked rough, he talked gruff, and everything else. And he said, Pastor, he said, I don't know if I'm going to be able to help your church or not. He said, I, I, I just have a mannerism about me. He says, I, I haven't gotten rid of some things yet. I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm not that old in the Lord. And, you know, I, I said, well, you're a diamond in the rough. You just, you just look, you got rough edges. I said, do you have a testimony of what God's done for you? He said, yes, I do. I said, share your testimony. Share your testimony to this congregation. He gets up, he shares with the congregation, congregation falls in love with him because the Holy Ghost fell on him. And he began to speak from his heart. And all those rough edges became smooth. God knows how to smooth things out. Amen. Had a wonderful testimony. He was in there for double murder. It's amazing what God can do whenever you let God and the person of the Holy Spirit just lead you, got you, and direct you. Amen? Some people think that the greatest testimonies are the one that have been in the greatest sin. No, I told you a while ago, the greatest testimony is the one that didn't. Just lived a life of righteousness. He said, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore, as many as be perfect, mature, be thus minded, and if anything, if there, and if in anything you be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. Galatians 2.20 says in the King James Version, he said, I am crucified. Paul saying, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live in the life that I now live in the flesh. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul said, what I, what I fell in love with the Nazarene. We used to sing a song a long, long, long time ago. I keep falling in love again over and over. And over and over again. And we just keep falling. Same way as husbands and wives. We can't let things go to where 
We don't have that relationship that we need to have between a husband and a wife. I love my wife more today than I've ever loved her. Outside of the person of the Holy Spirit, she's my best friend. I don't keep any secrets from her. I have no need to keep any secrets from her. She's my friend. She's my lover. She, she's the one that God gave me. When I was lost in my trespasses and sin, God still was looking out for me. And He took care of me. My dad told me, he said, the best thing ever happened to you in your life was Diane. I corrected him. I said, Dad, no, the best thing ever happened to me was Jesus. I said, and then Diane. Now, my dad was just a heathen. He was. I was raised in a heathen home. We didn't go to church. Diane went to church. And whenever I started dating Diane, I'd go to church with her. And the only reason I went to church was to sit next to her and hold her hand. That's the only reason I went. I couldn't tell you one thing the preacher said because I wasn't listening to the preacher. I was waiting for that hour to be up so that we could get up and leave and go have a Coke together. I didn't tell her that, but she knew that. Because I'd reach over and grab her hand, she'd pull her hand away from me. We're in church. So. So what? Paul said, I'm crucified. Now, who do you think helped him to get crucified? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. He delivered. He's bringing to pass what Jesus came and did for us. When people get healed, the Holy Spirit is present. When people get saved, the Holy Spirit is present. Everything that's going on in the kingdom of God, the Holy Spirit is present to help carry out what's going on. Colossians 1.13 in the Amplified. He said, For He has rescued us and has drawn us to Himself from the dominion of darkness and has transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son. He's delivered us from darkness. Say, I'm delivered from darkness. I have been transferred into the kingdom of His dear Son. In the kingdom, the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Righteousness, peace, and joy. Say, I have righteousness. I have peace and I have joy in the Holy Ghost. How many of you know God is doing all this for your, your good? He wants you to know who you are and what you possess in Him. 
He loves you with an everlasting love. He's never going to quit on you. As long as the Holy Spirit is still here operating. Now, the Holy Spirit's going to usher us out into the presence of the Lord. When the Holy Spirit leaves the earth, then we're going to go with Him. It's called the rapture. And you may not realize how close we are to those days. But I mean, it's knocking at the door. Awesome. 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 In closing, Romans chapter number 6. Starting at verse number 1. He said, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? He said, God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know you not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into His death. Therefore, we are buried with Him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of His death, then we shall be also in the likeness of His resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man, our old man is crucified with Him. That the body of sin might be destroyed. That henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Now, how many of you are free from sin? He says you are. He says I am. But I have to appropriate this. I have to make this mine. And let the Holy Spirit bring revelation to me on the inside so that I can walk this out. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Now, if we be dead with Christ... We believe that we shall also live with Him, knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more, death hath no more dominion over Him. For in that He died, He died unto sin once. How many of you know 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 5, verse 21? says, He became sin, who knew no sin, that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. I'm not a sinner. I once was a sinner. I've been saved by His grace. And now I'm the righteousness of God in Him. And so are you. When you start thinking righteously instead of negatively... then your nature, your character will change. But I still live in an earth house. So what? So what? Greater is He that's in you. You just got to tell your earth house, no. 
No. Absolutely no. No, you can't. No, you won't. You have to make up your mind. I've counseled with people and they'll, they'll just tell me, I, I just can't stop. I just can't stop. That's right. You can't. But he can help you. If you'll let him help you, he'll help you. You can do all things. You can. You can do this. lost my place. Mine's not numbered. Oh, let's see. He said, likewise, he said, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body that you should obey in the lust thereof, neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God for sin shall not have dominion over you. For you are not under the law, but you are under grace. What then shall we sin? Because we are not under the law, but under grace. God forbid. Second time he said that. Know ye not that uh, to whom you yield yourselves, in, your, your, yourselves servants to obey, his servants you are to whom you obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. But God be thanked. Everybody say, thanks to God. He said that you are the servants of sin, but you have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you, being then made free from sin, you became the servants of righteousness. When you accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, immediately you became the righteousness of God. Immediately. But I didn't know nothing. Didn't make any difference. If you confessed with your mouth and you believed in your heart, it takes an act of two things. We can get people to pray out loud and sometimes, you know, pray the sinner's prayer. But it's their heart that determines their born-again experience. How do I know if a person's born again? You'll know them by their fruit. No fruit, no born-again experience. Because you're changed in a moment. You're changed. The Holy Spirit brought Him into your life. If you truly had a born-again experience, there'll be fruit on those branches. Pastor, did your life change after you became born again? Radically, huh? Diane, did yours change? Radically. My life changed. 
I mean, they're, it, was, it was a radical change. Supernatural. Amen. So you've come out of darkness into his marvelous light. Darkness no longer has control of you. It's the Spirit of God that I yield my members as instruments unto so I can walk in true holiness, godliness, and in the fear of the Lord. Amen? Same for you. Amen. Did you get anything out of this tonight?